celebrities, people have to be so careful of what they say because the media can turn it. I'm so excited today. I'm sitting down with my good friend, actress and comedian, Kim Whitley. I want to catch up with you, Kim, because so much has happened. Oh, it seems like months ago that you sat down with me on the special report. It was, I think it was the end of March. And we were just kind of making adjustments to what was going on with this pandemic. And now we are five months into this. And boy, I have to tell you, this has been an emotional roller coaster for me and for so many people. What has it been like for you over the last five months in this state of, you know, quarantine, semi-quarantine, lockdown, not sure if we're locked down, just kind of craziness. You know, Ariba, I'm glad to see you sitting there. I'm glad that we can, you know, five months that we're healthy and that we're still here. Um, a lot has happened in those five months. You're absolutely right. Um, we've, I've had family members affected. We've had friends affected. I thought that the next time I spoke with you and saw you, it would be in person. And this thing will uh, would have gone, you know, to a minimum. But instead, it's kind of blown up. I'm going to be honest, my mental state is what bothers me now. I'm concerned that you can fall very easily fall into a depression. And um, that, that's where I am now. You know, um, it's been tough. Uh, I'll tell you that. But, I, but I've made it through. I lost 23 pounds during this time, um, you know, working out. I've become closer to my friends because we talk. Uh, I have not seen my dad who lives in Cleveland, who I'm very concerned about. He's fine, but he's been in his apartment by himself for five months. Wow. Um, so it's difficult. First, I want to commend you on losing 23 pounds because so many people are you know, complaining about the quarantine 15 uh, and the fact that because they're at home, you know, just going back and forth to that refrigerator that they are gaining weight. So, you know, kudos to you for taking advantage of this opportunity to lose weight, to you know, work out and, and to get in, in even better shape because we know how we feel physically can impact and does impact how we feel you know, emotionally. But I wanna go back to that D word. And you know, I've had probably five or more psychologists, therapists on with me since March, just really trying to help people deal with the depression that so many of people, uh, I don't, call mine depression, but I definitely have those days, you know, when I'm just unhappy, when I'm sad and just trying to make sense of this. And uh, we just did a show last week where someone was talking about just trying to make it just day by day, you know, not trying to plan weeks out because all those big plans, like you said, we were hoping we would see each other by now. Uh, I was hoping events that we had planned in September and October that we would actually be in the hotel rooms you know, in parks at our big event that we do in the fall, but it looks like we may not get out of our homes until maybe January of next year, as hard yeah. as it is to say that. That is the reality. Like, how do you just every day, you know, just, you know, keep it focused on the now rather than getting, you know, lost in those things that we have lost and that we can't do? You know, it, it it's kind of, uh, it's surreal. It's like a dream and it's, it's, it's never ending. I, uh, first of all, you know, try to stay busy. I think working out anything 
you know, walking in your neighborhood, riding a bike, anything physical that you can do will help you. Um, if you just put music in your ear and, you know, walk around. Um, I've been doing that. I am uh, an ambassador for WW for Weight Watchers. So that did save me that um, if I can help other people, you know, I help myself, but I'm also helping other people um, stay healthy. You know, and my dad, even in his apartment, he walks up and down the hallway. I said, dad, you got to walk up and down the hallway 30 times and you have to go out on your balcony and get that vitamin D and sit outside. So I, I think that is uh, one thing, just, you know, keeping you going, but falling, f- finding the small things in life that I have to say, what keeps me going is this is an opportunity for me to do something that I've never done in my life. And I've always wanted to do, you know, if it's, you know, just people who want to write a book, but for me, I've just wanted to clean out my garage <laughs> from house to house, whatever, you know, I've always wanted to clean out my garage. I wanted to paint time because I never have time. Um, I want to sit with my son and, and, and teach him how to cook. So when I feel sad or, or weird, I say, what is it that I want to do? I've never done a puzzle before. I got so many puzzles. I, I, I got the hundred piece puzzle. I do the kids puzzle. I do all puzzles. I was like, I've never done a puzzle before. It was actually, it's been fun. I got me a little light now. I got my little puzzle board. If Joshua don't want to help me, I don't care. Uh, so I have enjoyed that, things that I've never done. So taking, finding pleasure in simple things like doing a puzzle or painting, and that's really great. And we're hearing more and more about that, people gardening or, or people taking yeah. up cooking or different hobbies that they haven't had time to do. But, but what about your career, Kim? So people seeing you on the big screen, they see you on television, they see you all over the internet. You have these amazing, you know, uh, your uh, Corona Chronicles that you do on your Instagram page. But I have to imagine that your career or the careers of, you know, comics like you that depend a lot on being inside of clubs and getting that feedback from audiences that that, that has to have you know, suffered because we can't go to clubs right now. We can't go to large gatherings. So, you know, how are comics, how are, you know, actors and actresses and people in the entertainment industry, you know, how are they making it during this really surreal time, as you described? Uh, that's another tough one because you thought it would be over. I, I think in the beginning, we're like, okay, I lost some gigs, but come September, we've already rebooked those shows. I was on tour with an amazing group of women uh, called Ladies Night Out, and we were touring the country, and we were booked for the year. So I'm like, oh wow, I got my paycheck. But uh, when they canceled all the shows, and you can't go in the clubs, and that's how you feed your family, you you start to get fearful. Um, but you know, I've checked in with a lot of comics; they're struggling. But there are, um, you know, things like unemployment. Um, there's some grants out there that, that we've been able to get. But also people putting together these Zoom uh, comedy shows. And what I love is like if you, there's one called Zooming with the Homies. All the comics put their cash app in, in the place of their name. So while you're cracking jokes and talking to each other, people are just sending you money. If a dollar, five dollars, but it'll, it'll handle a bill. Um, so that's been very helpful for um, comics. But uh you got to, it's the new normal. You know, I've done uh, some Zoom, not entertaining, but hosting uh, 
a couple of things I've done, Read Across America, um, you know, thank God for WW that I can um, survive, but it gets, you, you get afraid, you know, I have some uh, products still on um, WhitleyProducts.com where I have, uh, you know, all my little inventions and things that I have uh, 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 created. Um, so, you know, that's why my book. Um, so those are little streams of income, but it is hard. And if this goes another six months, I'll probably be at your house. I'm really concerned that I'm probably going to be at your house. I, you know, well, I don't the know. The doors are open and you are always welcome. So just know that. So keep don't that in mind. I come with Joshua. It ain't just and one. Joshua is definitely welcome because we don't have any little kids around here anymore. So I love little kids. Oh, good. No, you know, I just appreciate you being honest about it. I've checked in with so many of my friends, you know, some in the entertainment industry and some are not. And you're right for so many people. Uh, this is such a, you know, perilous times because there is unemployment, but, you know, some of those benefits that have been available through unemployment are coming to an end at yeah. the end of July. So people, I, I've been reading articles about people saying, look, if I don't get that extra $600, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. I'm going to be in a food line. Uh, you know, it's causing people who otherwise could, you know, support themselves, sustain themselves to have to really go to extraordinary measures like food banks. No, the government should just really tell the banks they should stop all mortgages, freeze all mortgages and all rent. Then people might be able to make it. The mortgages that are people paying, even if even if you have, even if you're renting, someone owns that. Right. So they have to pay. It, it's still, there's someone else still owing a mortgage on that building where you are. So it, it would just, it would help a lot of people. Into yeah, no, people are hurting. And I'm glad to hear that comics have found a way to relieve some stress, you know, by doing what you guys do, which is tell jokes and then make other people laugh because we know laughter is good for the soul for all of us. And putting that cash app up because there are people who, you know, are still working and who have income coming in. And if yes. they can lend a, a hand and support others, you know, that's what this is all about because we are truly in this together. I want to shift gears for a minute though and ask you about, you're on the internet. You, you have a huge following on Instagram. And we've been talking a lot on the special report about cancel culture, about people that make a statement online. And before you know it, you know, the backlash comes and they are canceled. And, and I'm sure you saw the uproar with, with Terry Crews when, when he made his statement. Uh, and just recently with Nick Cannon, you know, Nick doing that podcast and, and now his actual talk show that was set to launch uh, in the fall being postponed for a year. So what do you think about cancel culture? Do you think it's gone too far? Cancel culture uh, is necessary, but it also needs to slow down. Like take a moment, um, pause the situation, see what it was about. Like, like what happened with Roseanne? Let, let's go there. That might've needed to happen. That, But this is the problem with the cancel culture. It didn't, okay, you shut Roseanne down. Ooh, I show you, you're not going to. But what it did to another 100 people, another 200 people, the writers, the crew, you took, Roseanne was at the top. She's making millions. But the people that were just surviving under that, you canceled, but you canceled out a lot of families. So 
I think there should be some uh, reparations. There should be some apologies. There should be, uh, uh, um, you know, given out. But I think it does go too far too fast. That's mm-hmm. the problem. They want to show you, whoa, look what I did. You know, I'm going to take away this. I'm going to take away that from you. Um, because they're not thinking about the rest of it. Even the one saying things, what is the contents of what they're saying? What, what you know, the context, what, is, what are they talking about? You know, with Nick, you know, Nick just graduated from Howard University. So, you know, he all pro-Black and into his history and everything. So I don't think he meant to hurt, you know, anyone. And I think he was, you know, just talking. I don't think it was mean spirited, like he was mad about it. And, you know, I'm going to do this. So you think his apology was enough because he did issue an apology. He talked about meeting with rabbis. He talked about trying to develop a proactive program so that he could better understand the Jewish faith. Uh, do you think that that was enough and that his show shouldn't have been postponed? Absolutely enough. I'm glad to see that he went back to uh, Amer- uh, uh, what was it, Mass Singer. Um, the first they they took that away from him, but then they gave it back because I guess they, you know, you had to think about it. Okay. And, and once you issue an apology, come on, and you feel like, okay, I didn't know to, and you're not, he wasn't name calling or, or, you know, absolutely. I I don't feel like he, his intentions, he did not have bad intentions. You know, the things that Roseanne said, you know, this name calling and, and malicious. So um, yeah, I think the cancel culture goes too far sometimes. So you raise a good point, Kim. You talked about when they cancel the lead, the lead actor, the lead singer, the lead comedian. You know, there's a whole army of people that work to make these shows happen. They're, you know, the people behind the camera, they're the writers, they're the producers, you know, they're the PAs, they're all these people. And if the show gets canceled or the project gets canceled, you know, they lose their jobs as well. But, you know, what, how do you draw the line? For instance, you know, the Cosby show. So when Bill Cosby, you know, had those uh, allegations, you know, 50 plus made against him, he's prosecuted, you know, for uh, sexual assault, he's actually convicted, you know, Cosby show reruns were pulled. Do you think that went too far? Yes, absolutely went too far because now you're punishing me for actions from somebody I cannot control. Uh, you know, this is how, especially, you know, residuals, this is how I eat. And, and, and some of those actors you have not seen work for a while. And, you know, you're taking money out of my mouth. I think that's unfair. And you raise a, a good point because people, I think oftentimes in their quest to punish the, you know, the person that engaged in the conduct that everybody deems inappropriate, they don't think about what that will do, what impact that'll have for those people, like you said, that they don't control. So all those actors uh, that worked on the Cosby show for years, many of them, you don't, you haven't heard from them. They haven't worked and they were depending on that income. How do we make the balance? So, you know, in Terry Crews's case, you know, he made the statement that people need to be considerate about, you know, not just black lives, but all lives, kind of paraphrasing, you know, what his tweet was uh, and people came for him. And then there was, you know, the whole Kanye uh, dust up with Chance the Rapper. So, so how do we like? How does the culture know when it's gone too far? Well, I think that is 
like I, I and going back to what you were saying, the people that get hurt in these statements, I think they are swift. They're they're swift with what they do, but they don't take in consideration the person. But what they will say is, well, that person should have taken in consideration before they said anything. Uh, you know, like Nick Cannon or, or Roseanne, they, they're they're probably like, well, they should have taken it in consideration. It's on them. But we have to be better human beings to each other. Just because the one person made the mistake, let's not cut off everyone. So I, I feel like the balance should be, let's look at every situation separately. Let's not just jump in with, with even with Nick. You know, were they upset? You know, yes, some things have happened. But once he made that apology, I, I feel like then we should say, okay, all right, that's different. Because a lot of people say stuff and do stuff and, and they don't apologize. Right. But uh, it is it, it with Terry. See, I like Terry Crews. I've been a friend of his, but I don't know why he's in the news so much. I was like, does he have an album dropping? What's happening? What, what, why is Terry talking? Um, what are you talking about? But Terry, you have to understand, he has a biracial wife. So he feels probably he needs to say something to back up his wife and her family. Um, but sometimes silence is 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 better, you know? Um, it with Especially when... We're in uh, this the, this kind of climate right now. You have to be very careful. Even with me, I tell jokes on my Corona Chronicles and people are like, Kim, it's too soon. You out there making jokes, people dying, this and that. I, I understand, you gotta be very sensitive. Um, so right now it's it's touchy, it's very touchy. And, but I think as as human beings, we need to, I think we need to slow down and we need to look at the situation before we ruin uh, more than that one person's life. And I, I think that's more, we have to find the, the, the empathy in um, that. That's how we find the balance. I think, because you got to remember Richard Pryor's days, a comic could say anything. They were free to say anything and it was hysterical, mm-hmm. but now everyone's sensitive. You got to be careful. So I, I would I would just say that we got to find empathy as a as a people and uh, and as you say something about my mama then I'm gonna come after you. Well, you just mentioned silence, Kim. So you know Dave Chappelle was called out for his silence uh, following the death of uh, the murder, not death, but the murder of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor, and then he did this socially distanced special so he could be heard on it. Uh, and he made the point that sometimes you don't have to say anything, but he got so much heat for not saying anything. So, you know, what are you to do if you are silent? And they say you're, there's a, a phrase on Instagram that says your silence is violence. OK, people just want to rhyme right now. They just want to <laughs> your silence is violence. I, I get it. This That's is- a hashtag. I kid you not. My producer, uh, Lorna, told me about that hashtag. Silence is violence. We, we didn't make it up at the special. Wow. We do our research. <laughs> and I get it. But you also have to be careful. Again, David Chappelle can say stuff on stage. He's a comic. But David Chappelle is not um, out there like that as an activist. I'm going to say something. Uh, 
David Chappelle says his stuff on stage. That's where he is best. If David Chappelle said some of the things that he said on stage, <laughs> he would be in huge trouble. So no, his silence is not violence. <laughs> because they gotta, you gotta say, you're talking about a person who walked away from millions because, you know, uh, uh, of that same situation, not that situation, but uh, what was it? He, uh, discrimination, unfairness in the workplace, whatever. He's not getting paid with the others getting paid. You want me to coon, all that kind of stuff. So he, we already know he's going to stand up, but there's so many other people. Why pick on David Chappelle? We all protest differently. Well, let me just say this, Kim, maybe it's not picking. I think what people are saying is that people like Dave Chappelle, people like you, people like Terry Crews have these huge platforms. So, you know, in this moment where everyone is trying to push this agenda of anti-racism, they're, they're looking to stars, they're looking to celebrities that they revere. And, you know, celebrities are held in such high esteem. Uh, and they, they know that if you say something, it's going to cut through that someone who has 10, 20 million followers on Instagram, if you make a statement, that statement is going to cut through in a way that maybe, you know, a civil rights lawyer or a civil rights activist that's out there saying it, but doesn't have that same platform may not be able to get that message through in the same way that you or Dave or Terry can get through. Mm -hmm. There is some responsibility uh, to that. Maybe, you know, he could have made a post. Maybe he did do a post, but do I want David Chappelle out there on the front line? No, I don't. I'm going to be laughing at him. You know, I'll be like, what are you going to say, David? Say something funny. No, I don't want, I want to, I want to see people like you out there. Um, yes, he, he could probably have made something, but do I hold him accountable for that? No, that, this is the thing you have to let, and celebrities, let them protest and do what they're supposed to do in their comfort zone because we just talked about the environment. Celebrities, people have to be so careful of what they say because the media can turn it. Right. You gotta, yeah, you can say something, but I think there's more, it's not a fear, it's more uh, caution. So before I let you go on this council culture, and I, I promise I'm not gonna just wear it into the ground, but I'm just fascinated by it. Gone with the wind and Aunt Mama. So Aunt Jemima and, and Gone with the Wind. What, what's your take on those two canceled concepts? I'm so sick of this. Uh, <laughs> you want your pancake box back? <laughs> You're on Weight Watchers right now, so you're probably not eating pancakes, but do you think that's a lot to do over nothing or do you think it was time to, to retire Aunt Jemima? Okay, this is the problem where I get upset about the cancel culture. Just like, we gotta, we gotta stop, we get heated, we march, we make some changes, but now we're gonna go through everything. We're gonna just, everything gotta change. If you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. Already black history is not taught in schools. Um, you take away certain things. Let me tell you about that Gone with the Wind. I love Gone with the Wind. Mm. You can see what was happening down in that South. 
if these kids ain't going to learn it in school, they can see it. They're like, wow, wow, they were doing that. It is a part of history. I don't feel like it's like one of those statues. This was what was happening. This was a movie. This was history. Uh, we we had our, 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 our first black woman get an Oscar from that movie. Now you're going to take her away. So now, well, that's gone. You you can't you you can't have both. You can't say, "Ooh, look, look what she did," but I'm gonna take it away. That's part of history. But do you think it's better, Kim, that that part of history is told in context? Because you know what what some say. I had a film critic on the show, and he said the better way to show Gone with the Wind is with uh, a film critic or a sociologist or someone you know that's trained in you know race and, and, and sociology to put it in the context and give an explanation and give a narrative. Because Queen Latifah, you know, who played uh, th that character, who played Hattie McDaniel said, she wants Gone with the Wind gone because the way Hattie was treated, she wasn't allowed to come into the theater. When she got her award, she had to stand outside. She had to rush in for a couple minutes, accept the award, read pre-prepared statements that were made. And then she was relegated to that, you know, uh, mammy, that servant role for the rest of her career. So there are folks like Queen who say, you know, let gone be gone. And there's others who say, give it the context, give it the narrative that it deserves. You seem to say, let people see it without any of that, huh? It's part of history. Don't nobody care about gone with the wind. I mean, come on now, really? We really got other things to fight for and fight about than worry about some gone with the wind. We, you know? Uh, it, it's it's a part of history. We can go there. Do you know how many, many other movies and TV shows that we could rip apart right now? We can go through and go through it because she was treated that way. It's part of history. This is what happens and we don't want to repeat it. I, my fear is that when you take it away, Hattie's story will be buried. I think what she went through, the movie... It will just be pushed as history goes and nobody will ever think it because it won't be shown. No one will talk about it. It will go away and so will Hattie. I feel that that's unfair. It could, and nobody's going to sit there and say, well, you know what? If they're going to put it in a history museum, this is what used to happen down in the antebellum South. And, and look at this on the wall. This was a black woman who won an Oscar. We got to see it in a history museum. I don't know. There we are. This is the problem. Now we have to worry about that. Who's going to take that and say, oh, let's make sure we show this part of history. Let's keep this. Let's make sure Hattie McDaniel's story is told. It's so much other stuff. I don't know if that is a good idea. Uh, it's too much right now to be thinking about. If somebody can figure it out, that'd be great. You know, but, you know, you got step, what was it, step and fetch it. You got all kind of people that when I say in my industry, there was a, there's a there's a book called Black Hollywood. Monique actually was making me read it back in the day. It talks about how black people started in this business and it was fascinating what they had to go through. Mm -hmm. And you know, whether like Moms Mabley, you don't know their true stories, but when you read them you're like, "Whoa." You know, and and who they were and to to be proud that you know, we don't, we're fighting for our, our coins and everything, but what they were fighting for, and I think even with Monique, 
that's because she read that book. That's her struggle. That's what she wants to fight for. She mm-hmm. wants to fight for equal pay because she knows that the people that came before us in this business got pennies. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a tough one. Aunt Jemima, I'll miss her. Uh, <laughs> well, she can go. <laughs> I didn't like her name. I didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. Did you like the little head scarf? I didn't like the scarf, but that's what they wore back then. What were you going to do? It's the name. It sounds like a slave, ain't your mama. It, if her name was uh, Aunt Susan, Aunt uh, Laquita. Aunt Betty. Aunt Betty, we can handle it. It's that Aunt Cracker, okay, yeah. It, it's that name that's throwing us off in that scarf. Well, talking about history, let's talk about something really sad now. Unfortunately, we lost a historical figure, a civil rights giant yesterday, John Lewis. And I just remember two weeks ago, you and I were sitting here like this on Zoom, talking about that new documentary that that just came out, Good Trouble. Uh, I'm, you know, marveling at the fact that when I Googled prominent members who graduated from Fisk, up pops you along with this prestigious list of people, including whew, John Lewis. So just, just yeah. tell me, how, how did you respond when you heard that John had passed away? You know, you don't, since I didn't know him, like I didn't go, uh, you know, that. But I found myself watching, there was a special about him on MSNBC. I found myself watching it over and over and over again all night. And I learned about this great man. So that's how I paid um, homage to him, to learn about his life. Um, I felt like, you know, this country, we're already in a bad situation. And now you've taken one of our jewels away from us, somebody that we could turn to, somebody that we could go to uh, and say, what do we, what do we do? You know, you've been through this, what do we do? And, you know, some, something in me feels like John was like, you know what, I'm gonna get up out of here. It's too much going on. It's time to, to, to get on up out of here and go with my wife. Um, so I, I did that, but while I'm watching this and while I'm talking to my family, I was looking at some pictures. My family were on this thread. And I had seen them before, but I didn't even realize it. My cousin, who uh, my my grandmother and uh, his mother, of course, are sisters, in Nashville, because a very powerful attorney, Black attorney, his son sent pictures of them in the courtroom together and them in meetings. And his name is Cornus Enix, Black attorney down in Nashville. He and he's got, with John Lewis in the courtroom? Yes, he got him out of jail six times. He was his attorney. Wow. So we, yeah, so we looked at these pictures and I was like, you know, six degrees of separation and it's a young uh, uh, a young John Lewis and uh, and my cousin. I was like, wow, look at all, and that was his attorney, but he was the powerful black attorney in oh, Nashville. Wow. And I, I realized like he went to Fisk, that's why I was at Fisk and, and they went to, uh, you know, the sit-ins you know, right there in Nashville. So, you know, I felt I felt like I was connected with him. Right. 
That's a really powerful story because John Lewis, uh, part of his history is that he was arrested 40 times wow. so in his fight for civil rights. You know, he, he put he put everything on the line uh, on that Edmund Pettus Bridge. He was actually beaten. We watched those you know clips of him being brutally beaten. He's bleeding. So uh, you, you talk about uh, an icon and someone who's loved by all. And we learned in that documentary, just such a true, true gentleman. And his favorite saying was he always wanted to get into good, good trouble. Good trouble. I good love trouble. that. Yes, he did. So thank you so much, Kim, for sitting down with me. Always a pleasure. You just keep standing up and, and you know keeping those other celebrities in line and keeping those moms in line and doing everything that you do on that Instagram page because we love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me for this episode of A Special Report. Please take a moment to share, subscribe, and rate this podcast. I always want to hear your thoughts. You can share your comments with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn by following at Ariva Martin. Thanks and be safe out there.